Welcome to the Lead with Empathy podcast. I am your host, Holly Logan, and here we are going to have meaningful and hopefully some fun conversations about motherhood, parenthood, illness, disease, physical and mental wellness, nutrition, and beyond. And as the title implies, we lead here with empathy. With that said, let's dive into the episode. Welcome back to Lead with Empathy. I am super excited for this episode for you. There are episodes and people that I've met that just leave a lasting impression on me. And I will say this is true for Lindsay Wilkin. Lindsay, I actually got connected with through Markella, who has been on the podcast and the show. This was just wonderful for me because I've talked to you about my relationships with food in the past and how it's been a healing process. And Lindsay does this with her clients in her business, Wilkin Wellness. Um, and we dive into so much about like shame and binge eating and empowerment with food and how how our relationship with food and our experience in the diet culture really impacts how we eat and how we feel when we eat. And until you start to recognize that, you can't heal your relationship with food and really feel motivated to care for yourself, not because of just how we look, but how we want to feel. It is just a really deep, rich, meaningful conversation. I told her she's going to have to come back because she also has other passions and you're going to love listening to her speak. We go in terms of like connection and with food. There are so many takeaways from this episode uh, and I will have her back and we'll talk. She used to be a connection parenting coach. Um, so we'll have her back to talk about that as well. But I will link where you can find Lindsay on Instagram and on her website. Again, I think you're going to love this as much as I did. And as I said with Markella, I think that we will have a relationship for a while. She was just wonderful to sit down with. So with that said, let's jump in. Here is Lindsay Wilkin. Welcome, Lindsay, to the podcast. I actually got your name from Markella, who has been a guest on my podcast, and we've chatted a few times. And I've given my audience an intro already, but tell us what brought you to Wilkin Wellness. And was self-improvement always something you've enjoyed? Is that something new to you? What's been your story? You mentioned to me like a history of binge eating. So I just assume that's part of the story. But just give my audience a little bit about you and where all this is coming from. Yeah, well, I'm excited to be here. So thanks for having me on. So Wilkin Wellness is my business. My last name is Wilkin. What brought me here? I feel like I am my target audience because I, I really kind of help women learn how to care for themselves outside of dieting. I actually came from it or I came to this because, I mean, in my mind, what I was taught, I watched my mother diet my entire life. And so I learned that a woman is only as good as she is thin and pretty. And so I wasn't actually going for health. I was constantly seeking after weight loss. And that really wrecked my mental health. It fostered this problem with binge eating, which is deeper than just dieting, but dieting contributes to disordered eating often. So I actually started as a personal trainer. Like I was a homeschooling mother for like a decade and my daughter wanted to go to school. And I was like, I don't have an identity. Who even am I? But I was working out at the time. I was at a CrossFit gym and the uh, trainer would talk about muscles in a way that I'd never heard before. And he was like, we're going to work our lats and we're going to work our traps. And I was like, I want to know what those are. So I just asked him, I was like, hey, how do you become a personal trainer? So I went that route and I started training and that was fun. But people would come to me and they'd be like, Lindsay, I love the workouts, but how do I lose weight? And I was like, great question. I don't really know because I was binge eating pretty regularly at that point in time. And the pressure for my body to be my business card was like really intense. So mm -hmm. at the worst of it, I actually gained 20 pounds when I was trying so desperately to lose weight. And so it's been this whole journey of like, what am I actually doing? And for a long time, I was coaching weight loss and I hated it because I wasn't good at it because I'm too compassionate. 
And so now what I've learned is it's not that I'm against weight loss, of course not, but focusing on weight loss alone is really what's fostering a lot of problems for women. And so I just kind of take a different route where I teach women to focus on the habits that are going to help you lose weight. But all of that is, like you said in you know your email to me, it's, it's all about feeling good. We are so trained to think that what we look like is the most important thing that most people kind of just completely don't even pay attention to how they feel. So I am helping women come back to themselves and focus on how they want to feel instead of what they want to look like. So long story, but that's... No, that's no, no. So you and I have so much to unpack there, but like, because I think of, you know, you watched your mother and how she died her entire life. And I have experience with that as well, kind of seeing that around me and even like my grandmother and just people, everyone. I can think of just people in my life where it's like, oh, I need to lose this weight for vacation. I want to say I was like middle, early high school when Atkins became a thing, like the low Probably. carb thing. And then so here I am an athlete and I'm thinking I have to be low carb. And because like to lose uh -huh. weight growing up, I was like the tall girl, always the biggest of my friends. And when I say big, I just mean, you know, my friends were always like five foot zero, size zero. And petite. I just was not, yeah. I was yeah, petite. And I just mm. never was that way. So you, you're a personal trainer. You're, people are coming to you, be like, I need to wait, lose weight. You're struggling it with yourself because you're, you know, you love to exercise, but like you're just packing on weight. What? was like the turning point or what did you discover when you was it the not the focus on the weight loss itself or was it like being really like I'm not fueling my body the way I should I'm not eating I'm not drinking the way I should I'm not sleeping like what was the oh this is this is part of my solution and it's not just the exercise because you were yeah, exercising. It, oh yeah and I've, I've I've actually always loved exercising that's never Same. been hard for yeah. yeah, I love how it makes me feel. I love how strong I, you know, all the things. It's an excellent question. You know, there were a couple of things. Um, I remember I would be thinking about food constantly. And I just, there was this one thought that came to me and it was like, Lindsay, there's something wrong. This is not normal. But I didn't know what to do about it, you know? But I'm like, coach working with clients. And so I just, I had never actually worked with a coach myself. So I was like, why don't you actually hire a coach and see what they do? But I was also so embarrassed. I am so filled with shame about this problem that I didn't dare share it with anybody. So even with this coach, I was really careful to share with her. But then I saw some of her content about what she had done for clients that had struggled with binge eating. So I started to open up to her. And as soon as I started to talk about it, that immediately alleviated a lot of the shame. And it was like, oh, this is common. Common, actually, especially with women who have been dieting chronically. So she gave me this really beautiful statement. And it was, if you're going to go to food for comfort, can you allow the food to comfort you? And what that meant to me was, can you be present in the moment? Because I see binge eating as any other addiction. It's it's an attempt to numb. It's an attempt to pull yourself away. At the same time, it was also working at a residential facility for teens who had suffered trauma. And this is actually where I got my yoga certification. So I'm also uh, a yoga teacher. And that was also really beautiful because yoga isn't just the movement practice, which a lot of people think yoga is this beautiful philosophy of coming back to yourself. And so it was those two things combined. And I remember working with a student. Um, they have to climb these ladders, you know, in order to graduate from the program. And one of my favorite students, she was almost graduated. And then she had cut herself and she got all the way back down to the bottom. She had to start over. And I asked her just from a very curious place. I said, you know, tell me a little bit about like, why are you cutting? 
And she said that the pain of, of the razor was better than the emotional pain. And in that moment, I knew that I was self-harming with food. And so it was it was all these things that were kind of culminating together that really helped me apply curiosity instead of shame. When I would go to food, when I wasn't hungry, what's going on? What's happening? Like, can you can you be with yourself? Can you be present? You know, and it was just really slowly over time. It was once I really began to pay attention to the binge eating. It was about a year and a half before I finally didn't go to food for comfort anymore. So it was quite the process. The process. Yeah, it wasn't an overnight thing. And I think a lot mm. of people, it is hard when people want an overnight fix. It's a journey. You know, mm. I did a podcast kind of about uh, my relationship with food and how I think people can aim to improve their relationship with food. And my story, I guess, is similar in way I, I've had binge eating issues as well because I would restrict again. Everyone around me was so petite and I just wasn't and I would restrict and then come home and binge because I was starving because I was also an athlete and I was right. so hungry. And, and, and then for me, one pivoting point was like learning that food is fuel and like learning about protein and learning about like I did need carbs because I'm an athlete and the brain feeds off carbs and I'm still growing. I'm a teenager. And there were there was like an education piece for me that was enlightening. But again, that was I mean, we're still talking about a 10, 15 year process of recognizing not only that lack of education, but the emotional side of pulling towards things I've I've shared before. Like my thing is chocolate cake. Like I've I have emotional <laughs> I did. I have emotional ties to it. It was my mm -hmm. grandfather's favorite thing, but I have to be very cognizant of like when I I could sit and eat a whole, not just a slice, but like a whole cake because <laughs> right. it's like a, it, I could slip easily back into those binge things. So it's an emotional thing. But then I have to remind myself, like, I don't feel good. My stomach doesn't right. feel good. My belly doesn't feel good. And so I can still enjoy the cake and we just getting over the holiday season. And I, I think about someone like yourself and other people that it like around the holidays just becomes shame, you know, and guilt. On Christmas, I made cookies and brownies because my kids like wanted to have a cookie decorating competition and I had a cookie and I had a brownie. And like, I was just for at one moment, like, I have no shame about this because I also had like good protein that day and vegetables and like really good meal. And I'm like, how many women around me are like eating a cookie and then feeling like they have to hop on a treadmill the next day? But it's a process. And I've been there. It sounds like you've been there, too. We recognize the shame and guilt surrounding them. And it's a healing process. It's a stepwise. It's like recognizing it first and then where to go from there. <laughs> yeah. And it's not it's not the cookie that's the problem, right? No. Like, but it's it's the shame around the cookie that's mm -hmm. the problem. And that's actually causing a physiological response in your body, the shame around it. It's creating extra stress, extra cortisol, which is creating extra inflammation. So even more than the cookie, the stress of the cookie is causing so many problems. Yeah. You know? And you said to me in an email also that healing isn't a chore, but it is part of what you're missing for a deep, rich, meaningful life. And I kind of knew where you were going with this in a way, connecting to binge eating and your lifestyle in a way, because... I feel the same way about food now that in order to live a rich, meaningful, happy life, like food is part of our life that's not going away. And so how do you improve that relationship and still live a meaningful, purposeful? I, I just love that you said that, that healing isn't a chore. Oh, Would yeah. you expand on that a little bit? 
Yeah. Oh, what a big question too. Where to start? So, you know, I mean, because because I grew up with this dieting mentality, diet, dieting tells you basically that you have to suffer in order to feel better. And so people don't want to do it. They don't want to give up the foods that they love in order to like eat salads and smoothies. I still to this day can't drink a smoothie because I associate it with dieting. It's like barf. No, I want to chew my food. Look, there's a lot to it. And I love how you mentioned like learning how important protein is, how important carbohydrates are for the brain. All of that stuff is super, super helpful in terms of understanding what it is to feel good. But there's this whole emotional component to it, too. So we are designed to feel pleasure, right? And it's supposed to come from many places, but food is one of them. And so I tell clients all the time, if you are not enjoying your food, you are never going to be able to be consistent with it. And this is another problem with dieting, right? And so what is it that you're eating currently? And can you add more fiber? Can you add more protein so that you're still eating the foods that you love? This has become really important for people who come from like a rich culture, right? Like if you are Korean or South African or whatever, and you're eating like foods of that culture, and then you go on a diet and all of that food is mm. removed, you are missing connection. You are missing pleasure. Like I can't imagine like you go from eating these rich foods to like chicken, broccoli, rice. Like where's rice. the joy? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But people add hot sauce and different things. But yeah, you go from eating these rich, beautiful, wonderful meals to like plain chicken. I mean, exactly. yeah, taking yeah. away that rich, meaningful part of your life. Yeah. And so I definitely think that there's there's more to it than, you know, the the macronutrients. Right. That definitely helps understanding the principles and nutrition really helps. But I think that there's four things that I talk with my clients all the time about, and it's connection. That could be connection with people around you. Often we turn to food for connection. There's also pleasure. Are you tapping into any pleasure outside of food? Because if you aren't, then food is going to be the thing. Joy, right? Play, fun. Are you having any of that in your life? And purpose. These are all really important in terms of feeling. Food absolutely gives you energy. But if you don't have any purpose, you are going to feel fatigued. You are going to feel depressed. You are going to feel anxious. And you could be eating the best diet in the world and still struggling with inflammation because your stress is so high or because you don't have anything pulling you out of bed in the morning. And so it's about building a lifestyle where food is absolutely there for medicine, but it's not just like chicken, broccoli and rice. It's I actually like to play a game with my food. And this is the game that I play. Can I make it pretty? Can I make it nutrient dense? So it's balanced, right? It's got protein. It's got carbohydrates. It's got um, I want it to have color. I really want it to be satisfying, too. And satisfying is more than just like my stomach feeling full. Satisfying. It doesn't have the textures I want. And I really like lots of textures in my food. Like my breakfast this morning was like a mixture of granola with blueberries. So I've got the crunch of the nuts and I've got like the freshness of the blueberry. So I really like texture. And I'm also still learning, you know, how to make it more fun, how to make it more enjoyable. So I have this whole thing and then it becomes this like fun, satisfying game. And then, of course, I'm always paying attention to how I feel after I eat, because sometimes if I try something new, I'm like, oh, no, we're not going to do that again. Right. So it's this journey. But I don't have shame around it anymore because I'm focused so much more on how to feel instead of how I look. And so I think that that's the biggest problem is we are so focused on how we look. And it really ends up being external validation because I think we think that if we fit this mold of what our society tells us we're supposed to, we're going to get love, we're going to get acceptance. And it's backwards, right? It actually is an inside job, right? It's easier to feel inspired to make a change to your life from an internal drive than to feel pressure 
to do it because you're supposed to look a certain way. And it's the pressure, right? Even as you mentioned, right? Like needing to look like all of your friends. It's that pressure that drives these unhealthy behaviors. It's the pressure that drives the restriction. It's the pressure that... And so it's like focusing on what you want to look like is external validation. So how can you come back to yourself and find how do I want to feel? How do I deserve to feel in my body? And a lot of that comes back to the stories we tell ourselves and self-worth. And what we know too is that people who have a positive body image, people who like their bodies, they don't have to like how their bodies look but they appreciate what their bodies can do for them, they just naturally take better care of their bodies, right? And so I find that the conversation on nutrition is actually a really easy one to have. It's like we can talk about protein, fiber, you know, adequate amounts of good sources of fat, good sources of carbohydrates. That conversation is not a hard one. The hard one is helping people come back to themselves and learn that they are worthy to feel good in their bodies and learning that their body is good as it is, right? And you don't have to wait until you're smaller to treat yourself with respect. You can do that right now. And I love that because to be honest, what I grapple with, and I've shared this like in social media posts and on the podcast, I like that you're saying that it's an internal thing about your body and loving your body no matter where it is. Because I think about the girl who like, yes, had body image issues, but at the same time, I did not feel good. So there is this like in society and social media, I grapple a little bit with like, no, it's not all about body image. However, where do you feel good? There are some people on social media who are all about like body body positivity and body image positivity. However, they're on a lot of medications. They're on like bloat medications. They're on all these things. And I want to say to them in the most kind way, <laughs> how much of it is related to your relationship with food? And I'm not body shaming them. I'm not saying right. it's, I'm just saying that if we don't look also like internally of how we feel, how we fuel ourselves, and then Yes, the next pieces to that are maybe you will lose weight, but it doesn't matter for some people that is important health wise. But like, I guess for me, it's that focus of if you can control, yes, the food that you're eating, your relationship with it, find the joy in cooking, exploring in the kitchen, which is sounds like you do. Like I Ooh. love to explore too. And I wish more people would just explore in the kitchen and explore with spices and find that joy of like that chicken broccoli rice can become like crunchy rice and like, like, you know, fun, but okay. if you like spicy, you can make it spicy broccoli and you can put all these like spices on your food and make it fun. That's where like it all, the, all the pieces start to fit together, but it is, it's not a chore. You're right, but it's hard work. It really, it does feel like a chore for a lot of people though. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the biggest, like before a client comes to work with me, you know, they're just like, I just don't have the time, right? Like I don't have the time to cook food. I don't have the time to work out. I don't have the time. You know, this is like uh, the money conversation. I don't have the money. No, you don't see the value in it. And that's what it is. You don't see the value in taking time for yourself. What if you could see cooking with your family as the fun thing that you're doing together? It's a reframing of it. I actually really love Michael Pollan. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he um, he's a, a writer for the New York Times and he talks a lot about food. He's written a couple books on, um, I think he wrote The Omnivore's Dilemma and he talks about eating plants a lot. And uh, it, he has this documentary series on Netflix where he just really romanticizes food. And I just really appreciate him so much. And he talks about how the rise in convenience, it started in World War II when the fathers were away from home and the mothers were super busy and marketing came out to sell them processed foods. This is easy. Let's make mom's life a little bit better. 
And okay, we can appreciate that. Thank you, I guess. But what happened was we started to just more and more processed foods came out. And I'm a big proponent and I don't I don't demonize any food. But what you need to understand about processed food is it's digested very quickly. It's not satisfying. You are going to be hungrier and it's nutrient void, right? So it is problematic if that's all you're eating. But at the rise in convenience foods like Rose, people just kind of let go of cooking. And he's all about like bringing it back, you know, and just making that the activity. And it absolutely is fun. I actually have my kids, you know, as far as like the contributions in the house, I have them cooking once a week and they get to decide. But there are stipulations and it is there must be a protein in the meal, right? There has to be a source of protein. There has to be a vegetable in the meal. But whatever it is that you decide to do with that, make it fun. And we're all about fun and colors in this house and satisfaction and trying new things. And sometimes they don't work out and that's okay too. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. I love that because I guess I haven't thought of that too for someone who was like, well, when am I going to fit this in and play with my kids and X, Y, or Z and making them part of it. So I used to meal prep when I was working outside of the home. I had a day that I meal prepped because it just made the week so much easier when it was like everything, like even the broccoli was all chopped and washed and ready to go and go in a pan or whatever. Everything was as prepared as it could because it saved us time when it was like, I get it. I've been there. You get home. It's 530. The kids are like, they want your attention. You're tired. They're tired. You throw everything in a pan and then it's like, get them in the tub, get them to bed. It's chaos. So the only way that you can kind of help with that is prep. But turning that prep, like prep Sunday or whatever day it is, into like a family event, you turn some music on. I get it. It it is hard for me to sometimes let go of like, okay, they're going to chop that red pepper into a gazillion pieces. You know, it's not like nice, thin, nice slices. It's like demolished. I think I let them cut and they were like, cut berries one day just because they could and there was just yeah, mess right. everywhere. But it's fun. You know, and creating <laughs> yeah. that and that that I think is part of the healing process of like, oh, Ooh. this is food and joy and laughter. And it's all connected to food. And that food isn't always just the thing that makes me fat. That's how I used to feel about it. Oh yeah. No, that, me too. That was the emotional tie or connection that had to be dropped was like food is the thing that makes me fat. And that there's no other piece to it. Yeah. Or is it it was just this really stressful thing that I don't actually know what I'm supposed to do. You know, I've seen a couple of these reels where, you know, this guy starts to eat breakfast and he's eating like he's eating like a sandwich. Right. And then he watches a video and and it's like bread is the worst thing for you. And so he takes the bread and he throws it away and then he only has meat left, you know. And then the next video is like, oh, meat is killing you. And it just goes on and so forth. Yeah. 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 So I know so many people are just like, I don't know what to do. I'm so use? What is the right diet? What is the right exercise? And so then it's just such a stressful thing. They don't even want to tackle it at all. So it's like, Mm -hmm. let's just go to McDonald's. Let's just go to Chick-fil-A. Let's just get some pizza because I don't want to think about it. And it's Mm -hmm. that cognitive overload that just becomes way too much. And so, you know, a lot of what I do is like, let's just always coming back to yourself. You know, that that yoga has been so beautiful and it's always come back to yourself. We got to learn to think differently. We got to learn to let go of the stress and we've got to learn how to make it fun again and how to infuse the pleasure back into food. And also know that absolutely, Holly, like it is so much more about how you want to feel too. So like the intuitive eating people and the body positivity people, I hear you. Like I get it. The intuitive eating, there's nuance to it. And if you just are intuitive eating without the principle of nutrition, you're going to be like, well, I just intuitively felt like eating a sleeve of Oreos. I'm like, mm-hmm. 
And then how do you feel? Because that's the other piece is like right. then these same people who are like body positivity and then they eat a whole packet of Oreos or cookies or whatever. And then they come on and like, but buy this supplement and it helps you with your blow. And right. I go, well, OK, people, I guess that's the piece that bothers me. I mean, we all have blow. Don't get me wrong. Like I just say, you know, cookies and brownies and like my belly doesn't feel the best after like that day. But I don't have the, as you said, the the guilt, the shame. Got to hop on the treadmill. Got to work off that brownie. That's a mindset. And it's a healing piece that it sounds like you tap into a lot with your clients. Do you have a lot of clients who say, I think you should get into yoga or I think you need a counselor or like, obviously, it's a lot deeper. There are a lot of us that I've done a lot of this work myself. I've had many counselors in my life and food has never, never actually been the focus. But then as I dove into other things, I'm like, huh, I think that's related to food. So I did a lot of that work myself. But do you have a lot of clients who are like, I really think you would benefit from, you know, yoga or because that stress piece, I think stress is such a huge piece that people don't realize is the driving factor, as you said, for cortisol, which is our hormone that it's a a stress hormone, which is good. It wakes us up in the morning. We need cortisol to function, but we also don't want it high, high, high all the time because it increases our risk for cardiovascular disease and all these chronic diseases. So is that where you start or what do you recommend? Like when you get a client and you're like, whoa, you know, you need this first. Right. Yeah, it really just depends. I mean, every client, you know, I I tell people there's no cookie cutter plan for anybody. When I meet with a client, we kind of like do a little bit of an audit of their life and look at what's happening. What are the biggest problems? What are the biggest things getting in your way? And there's really three branches that I like to work with my clients. One of them is just the basic physiological needs that the body has. We're going to talk about nutrition. We're going to talk about sleep, right? That's super important. We're going to talk about movement. We're going to make sure that we are hitting the body's needs for those things. And then also, like we had mentioned earlier, we have these basic human needs too for connection, for purpose, for play, for pleasure. And so we're going to look at that. And then we are going to look at the emotional piece. This has a lot to do with the nervous system, which is where we get those signals for stress or where we get the signals to rest, right? We have our sympathetic nervous system or parasympathetic nervous system. And like you said, cortisol is great. It it wakes us up in the morning and it, it creates urgency to do things. And it's not bad. Everything that your body is doing, it is doing to keep you alive. It is helping you survive. And we thank it so very much. If we have too much cortisol, if we're like not sleeping through the night or we're waking up at 3 a.m., we know the cortisol is probably higher than it needs to be. So we do need to address those things. But yeah, actually, just yesterday, I have one client where like at the beginning of every meeting, we actually will do, I'll lead her through a guided meditation because her stress is so high and she's really struggling to implement um, stress reducing activities in her life. So when she comes to our meetings, we do that for the first 10 to 15 minutes. Um, I, I do prescribe yoga. It's kind of difficult to do like via Zoom. Mm. I have an app where I will like prescribe different exercises and different workout programs. But for her, I actually just suggested because she was really struggling to do it at home. And I think home is a stressful place for her. So I actually suggested that she actually sign up for a yoga studio. We actually researched yoga studios in the area. I didn't want her going to the let's burn a bunch of calories yoga, right? I wanted her to go to a yoga class where they're actually cueing you into your body. And, you know, there's this beautiful statement that is we don't use the body to get into the pose. We use the pose to get into the body. And so it's all about feeling, paying attention to what's happening, coming back to yourself, connecting to your breath. 
And so she's actually signed up for a yoga class and it's really, really helped her. So yes, I do breath work with some clients. I prescribe, you know, yoga, meditation, certain things to clients. And I actually do work with a a network of therapists, actually. And therapists will send their clients to me because they don't have the nutrition piece. They don't have Mm -hmm. the movement piece. And so we work really well together because mental health is definitely a huge part of it. You know, and a lot of people when they've been dieting for a really long time, their mental health is I mean, they really struggle with low self-worth. And so a lot of it is just working on helping them change the narrative. Behavior change really is an inside job, you know? And there's a lot to it. There's the chemistry of like, you know, we got to start small and things like that. But yeah, so, but yeah, it's, we definitely do a lot of stress reducing, rewriting stories, but also just like working on habits very slowly, you know? I, I was just having this conversation with someone else. And maybe you have a different word, but I always like to give something to people of like, where do I start? We start, right? Because like, no, let's be honest. Not everyone's going to come to you for coaching. I, I Obviously, like you're a coach and you're there. Like, but let's be honest. Not every person is like wants to or ready to take that step. But it sounds like recognition is like the word, like recognizing how I feel when I eat this, how I feel when I exercise. Am I exercising because like... It's like the new year's coming and everyone says we need to exercise and we need to lose weight. Or am I doing it because I like how it feels in my body? It sounds like for you, it's, I'm the same. Like I love to exercise. I've never been like, I'm going to exercise maybe when I was young, but now it has nothing to do with weight loss. I just love to exercise. But like recognizing how that food makes me feel, recognizing the shame, the guilt, recognizing when I go like the binge eating, recognizing like, is that a good yeah. guess? You know, whether you're journaling about it, whether you're writing about it, you share with no one, you're talking about it with someone that like step one to healing is recognition. Yeah, I would say step one is absolutely awareness. And I think a lot of people, too, they think that their life is just like getting older is being chronically tired, feeling achy, right? It's like I hear people in their 30s saying I'm old and I'm like, you're not old. You're just taking terrible care of your body. Like Mm. that's just it, right? And so recognizing awareness is absolutely huge, but also like believing that you can feel better, believing that your life doesn't have to just be restricting and binging, dieting and burning off calories, feeling terrible in your body, waking up feeling awful and chronically stressed. I tell people your body is always talking to you. It's always communicating to you. We just got to learn to listen. So if you have symptoms of anything, that's your body talking to you. And I really firmly believe that bodies are self-healing mechanisms. And if they're not, then it's because something is in the way, right? I mean, if you're constantly rubbing your hand on sandpaper, you're going to constantly have a wound. You got to take your hand off the sandpaper, right? So it's like, what is causing the problem? And can we move away from it so that you can then heal? So yes, awareness and believing that you can feel better, believing that there is a better way for you and that you deserve it. And you're worth it. And you're worth it. Yes. Because a lot of people are like, oh, well, that's just Lindsay. Lindsay is amazing and I can never be like her. And it's like, cool, then don't. But believe that you too can feel good in your body. Believe that you too can have fun and play even in your 40s, right? Like I'm, I just turned 39 and I have never felt better. I know people say that, but it really is true. And I am driven by how I want to feel. And I am driven by this belief that I can really do whatever I want. There's, there's the cost piece, right? And is it worth it kind of a thing? But it's like, whatever it is you want to create, we can absolutely do it. So let's just, all right, what do you want to do? Let's look at it. 
all right, here's the practices. Let's just go. And patience. Patience. Yes. Well, because the diet industry, I mean, it's like, join my 12-week program and you'll learn, you'll lose 20 pounds. And it's like, oh man, we got to really let go of that because, and actually this is really interesting, Holly. Um, A lot of clients are just so desperate to lose weight really fast. And the biggest loser was a really good example of this. People lost weight really, really fast, right? But a lot of them got, uh, got, didn't a lot of them gain it back? They all gained it back. They all did. Yeah. Yeah. And when they like actually looked at their BMRs, what happened was they lost weight so rapidly that these people were gaining weight even when they were only eating like 1,500 calories. So what had happened was their metabolism downregulated to the point where they were going to gain weight no matter what. And so if you want to do it the right way, I don't really like the word right, but if if you want to do it in a way that's consistent, research currently backs now, according to what we know about the metabolism, is that you actually want to aim for losing a half a pound to a pound a week. Now, of course, this is going to vary. If you have a lot of weight to lose, it's probably Mm going to come off faster. But if you've got like 20 to 50 pounds, half a pound to a pound a week, that is something that you can sustain. And that is something that is gentle enough on the body that your metabolism isn't going to react in a space of, I need to slow things down because we might be dying. Your body doesn't know you're dieting. Your body just knows that it's getting less energy and it's expending more, right? So if we want sustainable weight loss, we really want to aim for half a pound to a pound a week. Yeah, and I I know I've definitely heard that before too, because it is like I was having a conversation with Sarah, who is... a done an episode with and I'm friends with. And we were talking about even like people who go, if, if you've always eaten 1800 calories, if you actually up your calories, sometimes for some people, they go to like 2200 for a while and then they go back to 1900. That's when they start to notice change in their bodies because their body has just become acclimated essentially to that 1800. If you eat that way for 10 years, you're not going to change your body if you've never like challenged it. I love the body is so interesting that it will heal. Like you said, it will heal itself and it's smart and it adapts and it's wonderful. But it, and it, oh, I get it. It's complicated. It's frustrating at times. I have been, you know, postpartum and like struggled with the body image side and the mental health side to it and feel all the things. But it is a, a patience is patience is one of the main. Yeah. Yeah. I remember too, I had this one client. She was so interesting. She had PCOS and she actually had some serious trauma in her past. She mm-hmm. came to me from another nutrition coach. She was eating 1600 calories and she had plateaued out. So what we decided to do was just slowly reverse her out. Now that was tricky because she was terrified of gaining weight. And when you do a reverse diet, you will gain a little bit of weight. It's not usually extreme, but it's that let's increase your calories. And we were infusing a lot of those calories with fiber. I was trying to get her to eat about 40 40 grams of fiber a day. So a reverse diet with lots of fiber and her symptoms, her PCOS symptoms started to really alleviate. I mean, they were getting way better. She then she did gain a little bit of weight it was like one to three pounds, something along those lines. But then once we got her up to I think it was like 2000 calories, um, she maintained at that for a while, we kept her there for a while. And then we started to put her into a slight calorie deficit immediately started like once we put her into a calorie deficit, then she did start to lose weight. So it's not always eat less, move more. In fact, I actually really hate that statement. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's complex. And what I know about the body is it's about creating safety, right? Like your body will prioritize survival over thriving every day of the week, right? And when people here eat less, move more, they're like, oh, well, I'm going to restrict and overexercise, which causes problems and it's going to cause your body to stall out. So it's more about how can you create safety in your body, right? Reducing stress, making sure that you're actually eating more, actually, especially if what we're eating more of 
is whole foods, fruits and vegetables, you know, whole grains, protein from like lean meat sources, things like that, especially if you can get it locally sourced and all those things. So I it's think, not eat less. Yeah, I, the eat less, move more. There's a principle of it I understand. I think for women, it's much more complicated because it there's this this whole other stress factor and there's a hormone factor and there's so many pieces to that, that it's lovely in thought. And for some people, and I think for, I think for a certain population of people, that is true, but it's, it's not a one size at all. I have so many other things, but I also want to respect like your time and then the audience, you know, but really quick, this is a big turn. So I want you to briefly say what connection parenting is. And then do you also like loop that? You didn't say, I don't know how old your kids are. Do you loop that to food with them? Like is a food because you're bringing joy and everything? How are you like making growing children that have a good relationship with food through connection? If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So before I actually got into nutrition coaching, I was a parenting coach. And that was all just motivated from the fact that I had a very abusive, traumatic childhood. And all I knew growing up was that I didn't want to hit my kids. Um, It turns out that that's the bare minimum. And I didn't actually know how to be with my kids. I didn't know how to discipline them. I didn't know how to, I didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, so I don't hit them. But what do I do when they do something that's absolutely outrageous? And so it was this whole journey of learning how to respect children, of learning how to teach them and and basically, it's like you have to model that behavior for them. So connection parenting is it's all about learning to see your child as a whole human being. And they're just learning. So when they make a mistake, like when I was a kid, I would make mistakes or I didn't understand what was happening and I would get harshly punished for that. And so when my kids would do something that would grate on my last nerve, I would just have to calm myself down and remember they're learning. They don't know that this thing that they just did was going to hurt me in the way that it did. And it just became this conversation. And, and the connection parenting piece is a very big piece. There's, if you are curious, absolutely go online. There's so many parenting coaches that are doing it right now. The attachment nerd might be one of my favorites. She's amazing. But yeah, it's just learning to be with children in a way where you can actually affect change in their behaviors, but not from punishments and rewards, but just by like learning to respect their behavior, setting boundaries for yourself. But the reason I, I came to where I'm at right now is as I was a parenting coach, I just realized that I was coming at it from a very judgmental perspective. Um, I was judging these mothers for being harsh with their children. And when I had this realization, I was like, I, I have to stop. I can't do this anymore. It didn't feel good. And, and I actually kind of came full circle because my target audience now, the people that I love to work with the most are mothers. And so I kind of have decided that I want to support the mothers learning, helping them learn to care for themselves. Because when you are taking care of yourself, it's going to be easier to be present with your children. And so, yeah, connecting the food piece in. So when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to make my own food choices. I was forced to eat food that I didn't want to eat. And the delicious food was locked away. So in my house, we do have food freedom. I, I say that with a caveat, because if you if you don't teach your children like nutrition principles, you know, highly palatable food is designed to be overconsumed. And it's a conversation in our house, too. I like to buy them the foods that they like. So we have ice cream in the fridge. We have cookies in the pantry. But we also talk a lot about uh, there was a time there was a point in time for like a whole year where, uh, you know, we would have dinner and be like, hey, guys, which is the source of protein here? Which is the source of fiber? And so we would talk about it. And so they understand. And the other day, my daughter, she woke up and she just decided to have a bowl of fruity pebbles for breakfast. And then she felt like garbage the rest of the day. And she knew why, you know, it's like when you fuel your body on straight sugar, you are going to feel awful. 
right? So it's like, you can continue to make that choice, but if you continue to make that choice, do you really want to feel that way? And so it's just a conversation and, you know, having them cooking meals and just me being who I am and caring about how I feel and having these conversations, they're just kind of naturally picking up on it. So my, my kids are teens now. They're not my kids. And, yeah. But this so is, my, again, it's, it all comes full circle that it's been like your relationship with yourself and the healing and the generational healing, generational trauma, and then like bringing it all back to like joy and love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. So my 17 year old daughter, she has a boyfriend right now. He doesn't know anything about nutrition and he's got a lot of health issues. And so she's teaching him now. Oh, wonderful. She she cooks meals and he like he comes to my house. He's got a hard situation, too, because he like lives in L.A. and his parents don't buy groceries. So he doesn't have a lot of choice. He just his parents give money to go to Burger King every day. So he comes. Yeah, he comes here and he's learning that he loves broccoli and that he loves asparagus. And so he's always asking, like, (laughs) Is there going to be broccoli for dinner? I'm like, kid, oh. there's always broccoli for dinner. So it's really <laughs> stunning. Yeah. So he is, he's learning how to take care of himself from a space of, I want to feel better and I can, and it's possible. So it's really cool to see them as they grow and the decisions that they make. And we're all human. I still overeat every once in a while, but it's like you said, I don't like how that makes me feel. And so I do have like certain promises that I make to myself. Like I won't eat sugar on an empty stomach because it, doesn't feel good. Yeah. So if I decide that I'm going to have dessert, I always eat just enough dinner so that I'm not too full that I can't eat dessert. And I usually will have dessert after dinner. So I don't eat it on an empty stomach because it just doesn't, it doesn't feel good. It will set me up for being crankier, being tired, feeling like garbage, all of those things. Right. Yeah, so I, I, could, have I could go off on the coffee, like people who start their day with like four creams and four sugars in their coffee, but I won't go there because that's a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's just like increasing the cortisol. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to crash. You're going to feel like garbage. You're going to feel like garbage. And so again, it's and that's what we want for people is people to feel good. We're not shaming you for having the four. It's it's not the shame piece. It's do you feel good? I would guarantee you don't. And that's what we want for people. And we want for women like ourselves. So. Well, thank you again. Maybe we need to do a part two because I feel like you could keep going about like we could switch to the parenting stuff. But thank you again, because I think this will be wonderful for especially beginning of the year and people getting thrown all these diet programs and all these different things that even I've been part of. And some of them I, I don't have a problem with. It's just I think there's again, it's all deeper deeper issues. So thank you again for, for being here and giving all of this message. I'll give you a second to pimp yourself out to like, what's your contact? I will have the notes, everything in the show notes, but where can people find you? Yeah. Well, I mostly like to play on Instagram. So I'm at nourish with Lindsay on Instagram. Um, I'm on TikTok too. Nourish with Lindsay, I believe is the same handle. And then you can find me on my website, Wilkin Wellness. Welkin is spelled with a C. I'm pretty special. So it's W-I-L-C-K-E-N wellness. Um, yeah. So you can find me in those, those places. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being here. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Holly. It was great. Thank you for listening in today. And I hope you'll be back. Stay curious, stay humble, and always lead with empathy. Please also take a moment to share this episode with someone, this podcast, write a review or comment on my latest Instagram post at hollylogan underscore help. Thank you. Have an awesome day.